Y'all please take a seat. Well, y'all welcome to the Springs Community Church. My name is John Omquist. We are so glad you're here. Whether it's your first time or you've been coming for a long time. Man, here's what we want to do. We want to do the same thing with you guys that we want to do with the exodus of high school students that are leaving now. We just want to help folks to look more and more like Jesus. That's it. So that's true if you're coming, right, and you're established in your faith, you've been walking with Jesus Christ for a long time, or it's true if you're here and you're totally new to faith. You have something that's true, you know God's changed you in a way, but man, you don't know up from down, spiritually welcome, as well as if you got dragged here by a parent, a friend, a coworker, and you're here working through faith in general, or the idea of God entirely. We're glad you're here. If you've been with us the past couple weeks, we've been working our way through 1 Thessalonians. Last week, we took a break, and my dear friend Garrison, he came and he preached, and I'd highly encourage you to go listen to what he shares. He just shared what God's done in his life. But before that, what we've been doing, we've been working our way through the book 1 Thessalonians. We're calling this series Goals. Here's the reason we're calling it Goals is we as a church body, as we're coming together, God's changing it, God, God's bringing different opportunities. What we want to do to rip off Stephen Covey is begin with the end in mind. Here's what I mean by that First Thessalonians was an encouraging, faithful church. They were not perfect, they didn't have it all together, but man, what we'll see today is their reputation was one that we want to strive towards. So that's why we're calling this series. Goals. But before we jump into the text today, I want to share with you guys, uh, I think it's mildly embarrassing, and a story about me talking about the value of reputation. I've shared a little bit of this in the past, but my wife, Taylor, here's, here's how I met her. It was seven years ago, seven years ago, and I went to a July 4th party. I'd been walking with Jesus Christ for not too long. I go to this July 4th party. We we're going to play beach volleyball Love beach volleyball. If any of you play beach volleyball, I would like to come, but I have a little one, so I probably won't have time. But we go to play beach volleyball, right? I come and I show up, and I can remember sitting there and seeing Taylor and being like, that is a cute honey. That went through my head. That's right. That's went through my head. And so what did I do? I ended up, I spent some time, I talked with her, and then here's what happened. She just started talking about Jesus from the very beginning. Now, now here, knowing the story later, because when she tells this story and when I tell this story, there's a bit of a difference, right? Part of it was she could kind of tell I was trying to come on to her. I was trying to flirt with her. I was gracious and kind. I thought it was Southern charm, right? She just, I, I came across as the word we would use today is as a tool. Yeah, so I thought I had game. I had no game, right? But there we go. We're sitting there. We're hanging out. We go. They had these chairs lying this beach volleyball court, and we're sitting there, me, her, and a group of folks, and someone asked me a question. They asked me this question. Hey, John, how's your ministry going? Right? And, and I gave this kind reference. To, hey, it's coming along. It's doing well. And with full humility here, what they were talking about is right after I trusted Christ, I just went out. I didn't have any friends, invited some homeless people to church. And out of that, this homeless ministry grew. Right? And so I was caring for these homeless folks on Sundays, didn't know up from down, but man, my heart was right, wanted to tell them about Jesus, all this stuff. Well, Taylor, she had no idea about that. She didn't know any of that. So this third person asks me, how's your ministry 
going. And man, I did with humility. I kind of played it off. And then that person went to share what at that time was part of my reputation. I still had plenty of areas to grow in godliness as I still do today, but there was faithfulness in me in there. And they share this reputation. And after hearing that reputation, that was the moment when Taylor's heart switched. I went from a tool, which I really thought I had swag, but I did not according to her, right? I went from being a tool to being someone she wanted to talk with, get to know. At the end of the day, I awkwardly went up to her. I asked her out under the guise of, hey, I'd love to go get a cup of coffee and hear about you. It was weird, man. It was super weird. But hey, I won, right? (laughs) Right? Y'all get what I'm talking about? Here's the reason I share that with you, though. It wasn't talent. It wasn't verbiage. It wasn't skill, because apparently I didn't have any of that, right? It It wasn't looks. It wasn't charm. Nothing. What engaged the heart of my now wife was by God's grace and God's grace alone, by reputation. Here's the reason I start with that. Today, we're going to talk about what is the reputation God wants for his local church, for his bride. And when I say church, all I mean is group of people. A church is made up of individual Christians. Because that reputation, it's what he wants his people to be known for. In the same way, in that moment, Taylor saw, in a way, not perfectly, but in a way, I was known for faithfulness. So today, we're going to talk about what is the reputation of God's church, and what are the characteristics that mark it. Here's why I think this talk, it really matters for you. It matters for me, especially those of us who are part of God's church. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, here's why. You know what I know. As you look at nationwide culture, and I'm not going political, the American church does not have a great reputation. It doesn't. And and a lot of that here, I'm to tell you, it's very well-deserved, self-inflicted wounds. You know what you can find at local churches across America on a Sunday morning? Some of the most gracious, faithful, generous, selfless, gospel-minded, missionally giving hearts on the face of the earth. You can find the most amazing of people. You know who you can find at local churches across America on Sunday mornings? Some of the most condemning, hypocritical, hurtful, self-righteous, bigoted, people across America. You know what exists in my heart? The tendency to be gracious and loving and the tendency to be everything God doesn't want me to be. So the American church, guys, we have a PR problem. If we were like a Fortune 500 company and we're not, we are a living body, but if we were, we would be hiring a PR firm. And here's the reason I'm starting with that is because you, Christian, me, Christian, we are God's PR firm. And here's what I mean. Not that we have responsibility to go talk and be vocal and do all those things, which there's certainly a place for that. But the character of our individual lives through both word and deed are meant to bring out a reputation 
where people say, faithful. If you're here, why I think this matters for you, right? If you're working through faith or you don't believe and you're just here and you're wrestling with the whole thing, here's why I think it matters. Because of America's at time well-deserved PR problem, what that means is it matters where you go to figure out faith. With all the humility in the world, not all churches are presently equal in faithfulness and desire and commitment to God. And I'll be the first one to say the springs in my heart has ground to take. But if you're here and you're working through faith, here's what we're gonna do today. I'm gonna give you two things to think through because it really matters. And I want you to use these things, these things to help you go figure out the local church, the environment, the group of God's people where you should figure out a relationship with Jesus Christ. Y'all track with that? Does that make sense? These are two things that as you come, if you're here and you're checking out the springs, you're church hopping, church shopping, bless you, welcome, we're so glad you're here. As you do, there's two things that you gotta hold up because these must be marks of the reputation of God's people. And it starts with our individual lives. Where we're gonna be looking at this, we're gonna be finishing out chapter three of 1 Thessalonians. We're gonna be in 1 Thessalonians chapter three. We're gonna look at verses six on down through 13. We're gonna break it out into two ideas. There's two themes that's gotta mark the reputation of God's church. And it is when God's people are known for the characteristics of stand fast, love well. Stand fast, love well. If you're new to this, to set up the context for this, 1 Thessalonians, it's just a letter. It's written by a guy named Paul. He was a big-time church leader. There was this church in Thessalonica. He wanted to know how they were doing. Two weeks ago, we talked about how he sent his buddy Timothy. He sent Timothy going to check on them. And we talked through why did he send Timothy in the first place. And the reason he sent Timothy is because it shows the heart of God. God cares that we are a spiritually healthy people not just a simply happy people. And that's why he sent Timothy. And what we're gonna see today is Timothy goes, checks in with the church, and he's come back, and he's brought a report of the Thessalonians. He's come and he shared, hey, this is how they're getting after it. And by God's grace, the reason we're calling this series Goals is it's encouraging. So the first part, he's gonna celebrate this theme of they've been standing fast and prayerfully will continue And then the Apostle Paul, he'll shift into praying for them, that their love would increase. So if you have a Bible, turn with me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 6 through 10. Why? We want to figure out what is the reputation that God would have for his bride, his church. Chapter 3, verse 6. But now that Timothy has come to us from you. Remember, Paul sent Timothy to check in on him and has brought to us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. He'd sent Timothy. Timothy would come back with an encouraging report of their faithfulness and their love. And not only that, the heart that Paul had for them to grow, to develop, to love and to care, they had the same thing. He goes on verse seven. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, 
we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live, if you are, and this is, this is our language, standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God? As we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. So I'll summarize what's going on there in just a second, but there's a key idea I want you to pull out. Paul, he sent Timothy. Timothy goes, he checks in, he gets to know there's accountability, inspection, and development of a local church. He comes back, and what does he do? He celebrates the faithfulness, not the perfection. Not that they didn't have problems, but the faithfulness. And what does that do to this pastor and Paul? Brings him comfort even in the midst of distress. The reputation God wants for his bride, his church, that we, as followers of Jesus Christ, that he wants us to have, is one where we are known to stand fast. Stand fast. So as you look at that, the first thing we got to do is we just got to ask the question, hey, what does it mean to stand fast? What's Paul talking about here? A little context for it. As I explain this, if you've got a Bible, flip, I'm guessing, five pages to the right. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul's going to explain it in one verse, right? But as you turn there, here's what you need to know. The Apostle Paul standing fast, for those of you who spend time in the Bible, it won't be unfamiliar language. He'll say standing firm, standing thick, standing in. Standing is a theme of the Apostle Paul's letters. He uses it in multiple contexts. You see him celebrating the fact they're standing in it in Thessalonica. You see his discouragement from the lack of standing in it to the church in Corinth. But right here, this verse, it just gives a little bit of clarity to what he's talking about. It's verse 15, 2 Thessalonians 2, then we'll jump back. So then, anytime you see so then, you always want to ask, what's, what's the preceding context? To summarize the, next, the previous two verses, in response to salvation, the gift that by God's grace we're saved through faith, not because of anything we do, in response to salvation. So then, brothers, stand firm, hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. What does it mean to stand firm? Paul says when you cling to the word of God that was both written for you and orally given by him, so the question for us is, this is where we, church, this is where then they would have read this and they would have said, seen standing firm. And they would have then had this moment where they would have stopped as one person read it and they would have said, okay, let's recap. What are some of the ideas, some of the themes, some of the reflections that Paul has given us so far? And if you were to go back for Thessalonians 1, 2, and 3, here's what you'd find. You'd find what marks faithful pursuit of God. You would see things like a commitment to God's word. We talked about a few weeks ago how they didn't recognize it as the word of a man, but as the word of God. You'd see people who took repentance seriously, that actively fought to turn from idolatry. You'd see people who were encouraged to live a life marked by prayer. You would see people who were reminded that what you do matters in your service to your community. Paul, he celebrates, I've heard of your love for all saints, you see people that despite difficulty, suffering, persecution, 
the people in the community that have the different political view that they feel they can't go to dinner with because it's just the one topic that's awkward, but they fight through it. Why? Because Jesus fought through it with them. You see people marked by and encouraged in love. Standing fast, it's Paul's theme, where if your heart's like mine, here's what's true. We can go about our faith spiritually coasting spiritually coasting and standing fast is the difference between spiritually coasting and sincerely communing connecting with God not in a way that's complicated or confusing but in one that starts with either relationship with him making time to get to know him through his word talking to him as you talk to any person surrounding yourself with community because you're not meant to do it alone, taking love of God seriously at the same time an examination of your own sin seriously. Standing fast. I've shared it many times. Doing this in my own life, here's what I find to be true. It's not complicated, but it can be hard. That's why he's writing it to a church. He's saying you're not meant to do it alone. And he's encouraging them in it. The first reputation of a church is stand fast. And here's why I think it matters a ton. Is if you look at the sentence in which it's put. Right? So you can flip back to 1 Thessalonians 3. But the sentence in which it's put. A lot of times people don't want to talk about this. So uh, it, it, it's put in for now we live. Paul's saying I find relief in. For now we live, comma. If you are standing fast in the Lord, if is conditional, what I mean by conditional is it is not a given. It is not a promise from God. It requires our participation. So as you think about this, here's what I want to make crystal clear. As a Christian, saving faith, that is unconditional. Saving faith is unconditional. Here's what I mean. For you to be reconciled to God, for you to spend eternity with him in heaven, here's all you have to do. Believe Jesus Christ paid for the penalty for your sins, that he rose from the grave, and one day, man, he's coming back because he loves you, and he loves me. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to read your Bible. You don't have to stop cussing. You don't have to stop drinking. You don't have to stop looking at porn. You don't have to have a marriage that's amazing. Your dating relationship doesn't all of a sudden have to become marked by purity and holiness and righteousness in every way. You just got to believe that he died for you and he loves you. And that faith changes you. Saving faith is unconditional. It is constant. It is fixed You can't compromise it. Standing fast is conditional. Standing fast is conditional. It requires our devotion, participation, and commitment. No Christian's perfect. No Christian has it all together, but what this faith does is it does produce a heart to say, I want to stand fast, not perfectly, but man, God, I want to try. Why? Because you love me. 
church, the reputation we want is one where we choose out of love, not obligation, never legalism, but devotion to stand fast. I saw this lived out in a buddy of mine. He's actually in my community group. So if you're new to the Springs, we do community groups where we really think 21st century practice of all the one another's scripture are best lived out. And so he's a part of that. We're an extension, expression of the church. And he comes and he's hanging out, man. It was a few weeks ago and I'll never forget it. We're sitting there and we're talking about faith and ways we can grow. And he leads with this. He says, hey guys, I feel like I'm spiritually coasting. And he begins to talk through it where he almost works his way. He's like, hey, right now in my faith, man, I know I'm not getting an A. And then it's humility. I'm not getting a B. I'm not getting a C. And then he catches himself. But I know I'm not failing. Why? Because he's a child of the king. He's an heir. And he has striven to grow. That's unconditional. That can't change. But in his humility, he says, but I would say I'm getting a D. And man, the heart just leans in as he's, he, he's looking and he's saying, hey, can you guys help me? Can you help me? And man, we begin to talk through how he can continue to grow in and how he can stand fast. He started working his way through the Psalms. Why? Because Psalms, it's poetic language, it's emotional. And one of the things he wants to grow in is the emotional connection with God, not just the cerebral We started talking about, hey, how do we give you more and more opportunities to find places to lead? He's facilitating leading the group. He's caring for us. He's asking hard questions. He's following up the conversation. He jumped in to disciple and care for students, small groups. I tell you what, parent, you want your kid in his small group as they watch him grow like a weed. Man, I got to see him go and seek out a mentor. Someone more established in the faith, older in it, that would help him not just navigate life, but faithfulness in general. I got to see him fight to stand fast. Church, that's what I wanna do. Church, that's what we gotta do. Because when you find people where their sincere heart is, I want my reputation, the reputation of God's people to be to stand fast and I want to participate in it, not out of legalism, but out of love. It changes things. That is what God wants me. That is what God wants you. That is what God wants his church to be known for. Our reputation, stand fast. Let's look at the second section here. If you've got your Bible, we're gonna pick it up now. Verses 11 through 13. 11 through 13. Now, may our God and Father himself and the Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord, and remember this verb, make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. To to quickly talk through everything that's going on there, right? Paul, hearing this good news in report, he does what a great shepherd, what a great pastor, what I pray I do. 
he shifts right into prayer. He's thanking, he's thanking his father in heaven. He's praying for them. And he's praying, I still want to come see you. I don't care if it's a great report. I still want to come be a part of it. Encourage you and you encourage me. And then he shifts and he intentionally prays for two things, church. Two things. And it's the next part of the reputation that we all want. The second theme out of this text is we examine what is the reputation we as God's people want, we as God's people want to grow in that I want to have is to be marked by the characteristic of love well. Love well. And he breaks out specifically in two categories. He says the first one, love for one another. Who do you think he's talking about? The church. Christians. Remember how we said at the beginning, churches, they can be divisive, broken, split, in the same way they can be beautiful, divine, and godly. He knows what we all know. Some of the greatest dysfunction happens in church. And what is the greatest remedy in response to God's love for it? Love for one another. A sincere commitment and care to even as you come to make this a place where you invest your heart. First Thessalonians, you see it there with the word brothers. He uses this theme of family. A few weeks ago, we talked about a church is not like a family. A church is a family. And what do families do? They fight to love one another, and they pursue each other. That's his first prayer of love. As he builds the reputation of love well, the first one is love each other. So springs, my prayer, our prayer, is we grow in a love for one another. The second thing he goes to pray for is he shifts and then he says, and love for all. Every healthy follower of Jesus Christ, and we're all on that progression and growing, here's what happens. There's an awareness of the love that God has for me, internal love, and that love can't help but work its way externally. Do we have difficulty with it? For sure. But man, here's what I'm telling you. From the inside, it works its way outside. And so for Paul, what that looks like, that looks like a love for the lost. So church, let me ask, how are we doing at engaging lost people? And if you're here and you don't believe in Jesus, technically I'd put you in lost, but it's not a derogatory term, right? How are we doing at engaging lost people in both word? Yes, evangelism is a responsibility of every Christian. And indeed, the way we serve, care, sacrifice is the internal love working its way externally. And here's how this would have been a huge deal, a huge deal, because love for all would have included all the people that had been persecuting them. If you remember weeks ago, we talked about suffering and the endurance despite opposition to the Christian faith. And Paul's saying, love them. Christ's language for them, in the same way his language for me was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Are we marked by a love for each other? Is that our reputation? Are we marked by a love for the lost, the people who come across? And all of a sudden, if you've been in these conversations, because I have, the conversation gets escalated real quickly and it's spun out. Do we escalate with them in the moment? 
Or is there, by the grace of God's spirit, a grounding and a saying of, man, I'm just here to love. Church, our reputation is to love well. And there's this idea that Paul sets up as a motive for it. It's the last part there in verse 13. It's the motive. And he sets it up so that God may establish your hearts blameless before him at the coming of our Lord Jesus and all the saints. Paul's not hiding from the fact that a theme throughout 1 Thessalonians is, is how do you and I, Christian, how do you and I, how do we live today in light of, in anticipation of, looking forward to the return of Christ one day? How, how do we live today, standing fast, loving well today, knowing one day Jesus Christ is gonna come back? And in that, he will see the faith that he's always seen in the love, but will also take place as an examination of he is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He is the champion of love. And he's given that love to us by faith. And there will be an examination of how did you steward my love? How did you steward that faith? And right here, blameless, what it doesn't mean is sinless. God's not expecting you to have it all together, but he's expecting a blameless sincerity. And all that word means is it's not that you never sin, but even in your sin, there is repentance and faithfulness with it. It's integrity. Christians make a lot of broken and terrible decisions. But Christ's spirit does bring about repentance. We can't always examine salvation by that, so I'm asking you not to overdo it. But what I am telling you is, one day you and I, we will stand before the King, the Lord of love, and he will ask us about, how did we do with the love that he'd given? It never takes away our relationship with him. Saving faith, unconditional. Standing fast, loving well, conditional church. This is the reputation we want. Out of a love for the king because he loved us first. It's the reputation we want and God wants us to have. I got to sit with a family last week and man, it was so fun. I got to hang out with them. They told me this story all the way going back to right before they started dating. They now have adult children, all that kind of stuff, empty nesters. But man, I heard all the way back to dating. They got connected. The wife had grown up a Christian, known Christ from a young age. She's dating this guy. She thinks he's a Christian. By God's grace, he realizes he's not, and he becomes one. All of a sudden, there's a moment where she was kind of nervous because she didn't see that's coming, but then the relationship continues, right? They go on. They get married. They become a part of a church body, and man, it was one of the coolest things because far too often I talk to people who are so deeply discouraged by the local church. They're so discouraged by it, and you got to see this couple light up when they talked about this church. This church that was formative to the beginning of their marriage, they were connected there, they loved it, they were growing, they were helping them love well, stand fast, commitment to marriage. And then because of work, they had to move. 
And over the next 20 years, they ended up moving in a couple different places. Here's what happened throughout that time. They never quite came to, they never quite found. That's not to say they didn't exist, but they never quite found that church with a reputation that was known for what they'd been at. Standing fast, loving well. And throughout that time too, their marriage was in an extreme decline. They came to a place of where God's spirit either needed to do supernatural CPR to resurrect it, or they were done. And out of a love for Jesus Christ, you know what they chose? I believe God can do supernatural CPR and resurrect it. And he did. That was five years ago. They've been growing, connecting at churches, been looking for a place. And then they came here. And you know what happened? You know what happened? They lit up again. They absolutely lit up with a gratitude, a joy, an excitement, and a commitment. And here's why. Wasn't because of the worship, wasn't because of the teaching, it was because of the love. It was because when they walked through, they started rattling off names like Shannon. There's another Shannon, (laughs) Kelly, Dawn. And those people went out of their way to care for them, get to know them, to love them. They came in and they felt the presence of God. Some people, they'll come up and they'll tell me like, hey, there's a unique anointing. I don't always agree with what that word means, but I get what they're saying. The presence of God, a sincere love church. We must love well. The reputation that God wants is for us to love well. And that reputation is one that it keeps going. Make me abound. Make me increase. So to recap, what's the reputation of the church that you want to be a part of? What is the reputation of the church that I want to be a part of? What is the reputation of the church that God wants you and me to, by God's grace, build? One that fights to stand fast, take seriously the pursuit of God, not spiritually coasting, but sincerely communing. And then one that takes serious the idea of we are called to love well. Love one another. And then from that love, we go tell everybody, serve everybody, support everybody. That's the type of place you want to be at. That's the type of place God wants us to be. Here's how I think we do that. When it comes to this theme of standing fast, a lot of times that can be this overwhelming, okay, I know I need to grow in a love for God, but I don't always know how. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Take your next step. I'm just asking one step. Here's what I mean for that. For some of you, you're here and you're working through faith. Don't leave without coming down and talking to me after or turning to a neighbor and saying, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? And then asking them about the faith. Telling them how, hey, I have a hard time believing this. I wrestle with this. I I don't trust this. How could God be good if? No question's gonna freak us out or scare us away. We all ask it too. That's your next step. Some of you, you have that faith, and now it's just the next step of how do I commit and connect and spend time with God? Download, if you wanna get out your phone, you can. Download the app, read scripture. 
I've had more friends tell me about it. I'm not currently using the app. Why? Because I'm doing it another way. But I've had more and more friends share with me how that app makes Bible concise. It gives you a holistic picture so you know the context and manageable chunks. Download, read scripture. And let's say you're walking along, right? You're tracking with that. And you're committed Go find either your community group or join a sincere community and say, even though my faith is growing, here are the areas where I'm coasting. Here are the areas where I'm coasting. And you build a plan of self-care like my buddy did. And you go say, I don't have to get it all together, but would you help me take one step? The next idea, how do we love well? Man, I'm so excited for this one because I think so many of you are just gonna be pumped. Here's what I'm asking you to consider as part of Sunday worship. All right, here's what I'm asking you to consider as part of Sunday worship. Lunch. Lunch after. Here's what I mean. So many times I come and I talk to people and they say either, I met this person, they took me to lunch and I've been here ever since. Or you hear, hey, I've been here six weeks and I've yet to really connect with someone. We as a staff, we try to do everything we can to say, fill out this card, fill out this card, get connected. I try to shake every hand, learn every name, even though I'm going to forget your name, but I try to do it all. And I'm asking you do it through lunch. I know for some of you, you got kids and it's hard. Go to Herbert's, not knocking Herbert's, the food's not that great, not knocking it, but they've got a playground. Go to Adobe Verde and Green, they've got a playground. Go take them to your house. If the issue is, well, hey, I honestly, I can't afford. Well, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and out of faithfulness, you are worshiping through tithing to a local body, as I'd encourage all Christians, give us less and go buy lunch at Krause's. If your heart is to use as an excuse to go get a free lunch, yeah, check your heart. Talk to people about it. But if your heart is, no, man, I'm gonna find at least one person, couple, family, a Sunday, I don't know, at least one and I'm gonna go get to know them. Man, that is how we love well. If we start here, it's gonna work its way out there. Church, two things. Take your next step to stand fast. And if you can, and I know not everybody can, but man, go eat lunch and eat it with purpose. There's an anthem throughout this text, and I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna invite the band up. We're gonna sing one last song. There's an anthem throughout this text that really, it's this resounding heartbeat, this resounding theme to the local church, and it just beats throughout it, the whole text, and it beats throughout your entire Bible, and it's in Paul's prayer where Paul comes and he simply says this. He prays for them as we pray for ourselves. He says this, Lord, and then two, I totally should have prayed and let them walk up here. Like all y'all are like, oh wow, they're all coming, not just the soloists, I like it. Welcome to Springs, we're working on transitions, my bad, right? But hey, no, here's the part, sincerely. Stay with me for this last part. There's a theme throughout this entire book. There's a theme throughout this entire 
text, and Paul expresses it, where he pleads with God on their behalf, where he says, God, make them abound in love. Make them increased. Make them stand fast. Make them love well. The reputation God wants for a local church is an anthem. It's a prayer-filled heart that says, no matter the cost, no matter the difficulty, God Almighty, would you come and in my life with full sincerity, would you make me faithful? Make me faithful. I'm pleading with you, God, because yes, there's part of my heart that wants that. And then, man, there's a whole ton of my heart that honestly doesn't, and I'm lazy, and when I go to love well, I'll be selfish with it. And there's this cry that we must have, Lord, make me. And here's what I love about it. Here's what I love. The humility it creates in a church body. You can never have too much humility. Never. It's the same thing with love. All things in moderation, including moderation, except love, humility, grace. Make me grow. Yesterday, as I was writing this service, I was sitting there and I was thinking through it. And I'm sitting there and I'm on my computer and I have a a reminder pop up. And the reminder told me, go get Taylor, that's my wife, go get Taylor's help to update your apps. Some of you know exactly why I would have that and some of you don't and I'll explain it. Right, go get Taylor's help to update your apps. I've had that reminder going off for years. For years, by God's grace, I clicked it and I stopped and I prayed. The history of that reminder was years ago, right at this time, Taylor and I were just about to get married. And honestly, in my heart, what I was working through, I was working through lust, sexual purity, which had been a part of the difficulty and sin that I'd brought into my life for a long time. And I had accountability and men there that were helping me. And I had put boundaries on my phone to where my iPhone, man, I couldn't even get to the internet and I couldn't download apps, so I locked the whole thing out. And I had friends who had a password. And there was a point where I was about to marry her. And it became right, not in dating, but right before marrying her, that it was right. She had the password. And it was then, it was a gut check moment where I set that reminder to go ask her to update a phone. Why? Because I'd lost the freedom to use it well because there were parts of my life then as there can still be parts of my life now that weren't faithful, that weren't standing fast, that weren't loving well. And the reminder was to me what I pray it is to you, a moment to stop and reflect and say, God, would you help me to hate sexual sin far more than I do? Would you help me to hate all of my sin my gluttony, my laziness, my idolatry of comfort, my apathy toward the things of you. Would you help me to hate it far more than I do? And I know, God, the way you want to do that is you just want to increase my love for you. Because I get to know you. I stand near holiness, and holiness rubs off and away to where it doesn't go away. But man, it does get easier. Church, the reputation God wants us to have is one where we always have reminders like that in our life. And those reminders prompt prayers.
prayers that simply say, make me faithful. I love you. Would you help me to love you more? That's the church you want to be at. That's the church God wants us to build. And it'll be a joy. So let's sing about it.